Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and get started listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. Welcome back to another episode of On the Break. Tonight we have the Devin, and don't ever talk to me or my son about empty stats again, Booker edition. He's coming off a 40-point performance and a win against the last undefeated team in the league. Uh, Josh and Justin here to break down what's going on around the league. What's up, man? What's going on, buddy? I'm excited to be uh, chatting about some regular season basketball as we're about six, seven games into the season. Yeah, dude, it's super surprising for a lot of teams, too, that Phoenix Suns being number one. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the things that jumps out the most right out of the gate. But uh, yeah, I think that's definitely worth talking about. And I want to know what your thoughts on that is and, and a lot of other stuff. So I'm, I'm glad to be back. Uh, so I, I want to start off a, a couple of things. So the, the show's brought to everyone by Audible, we you heard at the beginning. Uh, I know you got into a pretty good book on Audible yourself. Uh, didn't, were you telling me you got into the Iggy Dollar book? Yeah, so I just finished it, and I finished it in like two days. It's what's flipping aud- awesome about Audible is that like I didn't even have to be – I was just doing house chores. I didn't have to be sitting down reading, right? So And I could listen to this actor that was acting this book out for me and really made it come to life. But super good book. I definitely recommend it for anybody. Um, Iguodala is, has a weird soft spot in my heart and also a weird hard spot in my heart. Hard, hard spot – I, can't I got say you, that. but yep. you know what you know what I mean, right? I follow you. Um, because he played at Arizona, and I'm a big Arizona basketball fan. My dad went to the University of Arizona. There's pictures of me in a onesie, uh, Arizona basketball onesie, right? So I've been cheering for him my whole life. Loved him when he was at the Sixers. He was one of my favorite players, and I loved him when he first went to Golden State. And then as I slowly, being an OKC fan, slowly hated Golden State more and more. I didn't know what to do with this guy, especially like Steve Kerr too, dude. He was one of an he was an Arizona all time great and I loved him and I didn't know what to do with these two guys that were on a team that I absolutely hated like I hated them more than any other team in any sports I hate the, I'm an OU fan I hate I hated the Warriors the 73 win Warriors that kicked Stephen Adams in the crotch three times more than I hated Texas right yeah so I wanted to pick up his his uh, autobiography and see what it was about it's called the Sixth Man dude it was fantastic it sheds a lot of light into um, types of pressures that are on these these players, what it looks like on a season to season, um, how he changes and how he prepares, and the types of mental stresses that go into being on a non-contender and then also go into being on a contender and what it looks like to try and prepare for that. It's super good. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I think I'm going to read it at some point, or listen to it, I should say. I'm with you. It is much easier to listen to them. You can do it in pieces pretty quickly. It's pretty easy. Um, but yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I like Iggy Doll a lot. I've always liked him. I, I, 
I have much less of a problem with the Warriors than you do. We we've been down that road before. <laughs> um, but I, I get it. And he was always that sixth man, dude. And do you remember when he was almost a maverick? Yeah, he talks about that. He talks yeah. about his choice um, coming off of the because he was traded to Denver for an Andrew Bynum trade, right? Holy, he actually God. talks about it, dude. dude right? <laughs> that Bynum trade just shows up everywhere. <laughs> I know. I, I forgot about all this stuff that happened and reading through that, it was like, oh my gosh, he was traded to, in order to get Bynum. But what happened was, uh, he trashes Doug Collins and says that this dude's just a snake, right? And he goes through and he says that Doug Collins is texting him and saying, hey, I'm really excited about next year. Super excited about the type of team that we have. I think we're going to be able to compete. And he's talking, to, and then Drew Holiday comes, and they're at some show or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, no, they were watching uh, Team USA, the women's uh, soccer team, compete. And Drew Holiday comes, who's now his new teammate, comes into Iggy's uh, box and says, hey, have you talked to Coach recently? Or uh, He says, hey, you're getting traded? Oh, Are you getting geez. traded, right? And Iggy's like, no, man, I was just talking to Coach. Like, look at the text messages. And then Drew Holiday takes out his phone and says, I was talking to Coach too, and he just said we're getting Bynum. And Iggy knew that he had to be traded in order the salary for the salaries to match up, right? Yeah. So he was traded to Denver. Uh, Denver wanted him to come back, and he was an unrestricted free agent. They were asking him to come back. And he went and met with the Mavs, the Warriors, and uh, there was another team. I can't remember what the other team was. Denver, obviously, and then another team. But um, he ended up picking the Warriors because he loved Clay and Steph. And he loved, he wanted to play for Mark Jackson. He wanted to play for a black coach. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. It seems to be that that's sort of a, a general theme in that book for sure. I would be very interested to, to put like Bynum's career up against like, uh, like Andrew Wiggins, for example, and see who's better because I mean, they were kind of a different position, but still like, I don't know. I, I look at, look at that and. I just like I almost that's synonymous like whatever you think about how that Aguidala thing went down and so um, I, I don't know it's just kind of an interesting comparison that I was looking into real quick while you were you were mentioning that but yeah it, it's there's a very interesting part of Aguidala's career that's talked about like that's used to call out like systemic racism and stuff like that and especially in a predominantly black league it's really really interesting to hear his uns unfiltered thoughts in this things uh, from what I've heard about kind of what you were, you were kind of alluding to the same thing. Yeah. And, and that's actually a good, I like that comparison between Bynum and Wiggins because these two were both high draft picks. Bynum was supposed to be the next Shaq. Right. Right. And Wiggins was supposed to be the next Kobe. Um, so yeah, I, I've never thought about that, but um, yeah, at, at one point, so it's really weird because like in the book, and I don't know if this is just me going, okay, he moved to the Warriors. It's not now time for me to hate him, like in my subconscious or anything, right? Sure. But it, there's almost like a villain switch that kicks on um, whenever he goes to the Warriors, and not in their first season, but in their second season. And he starts like – he starts making a lot of excuses for the way that Kevin Durant behaved or the way that Draymond Green behaved. Um, at one point he said, I've never seen Steph lose his cool ever. And I remember Steph – Throwing a mouthpiece at two different refs. Yeah, you know? that's true. So it was like, but it's it's really neat to see the types of um, perceptions that a lot of these players honestly have. And that, like, so th what you're referring to is Igadala comes out and says um, there was a reporter that asked him why he didn't want to or why he wasn't playing the next night, and he came out and he said, "I just do what Massa tells me." Right, mm -hmm. and then he threw in a couple, dropped a couple of M bombs and things like that, and it was a really big deal. 
Um, he was fined $10,000 for it. And I think he was probably fined for putting it in this book as well, but I'm not sure about that because he did mention, I'll probably get fined for putting this in for printing this. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of the book is talks about how you're constantly as, as a young black man, you're constantly playing for these, uh, these white coaches that, and you're playing with these white refs on the floor that like, the big reason why he said that was because there was this one ref that was getting on Kevin Durant the entire game and was calling bad fouls against him. Mm -hmm. And then Kevin tried to talk to him and he was like, don't even look at me. And Iguodala felt that that was extremely out of line and that refs do that to him all the time. Yeah. So there's these undertones of how these young black men grow up in, in a situation where they have to beat the odds. You know, you come yeah. from the inner city and you're, a lot of what you do is a product of the systemic racism that comes from uh, public education systems. He tells a story of whenever he was, uh, cause he was an honor student. He was walked into an honor student uh, um, class and the teacher goes, I think you're in the wrong spot. And he says, no, this, this is me. And this is, and he goes and sits down and the teacher continues to argue with him and continues to say, no, you're in the wrong spot. Let me mm -hmm. see your, let me see your uh, trans transcript or your schedule and finds out and then just leaves him alone and doesn't talk to him anymore. Naturally. Um, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, hell of a book. It sounds like though. Yeah, dude, it's, it's super good, but, uh, ultimately like it reminds me that not everybody grows up with the same experience that I had. Right. Naturally. People are different. Yeah. And I, like, we've talked about this before with political stuff after the NBA China st stuff comes out. I want to read these books to try and understand at least how they feel. Yeah. You know, all of my feelings might not be rooted in fact in the same way that all of Iguodala's might not be rooted in fact. Some of them may be, some of my feelings may be rooted in fact, you know, but I at least want to understand how they can feel so I can identify with more people and know more people, you know? Absolutely. I'm sure that a lot of his feelings are rooted in fact, and a lot of mine are. Not sure. everything, but I at least want to understand people, you know? Yeah, and, and we can't pretend to know what it's like or, you know, or right. even begin to understand how that feels or anything like that. But I, I think it's really interesting to try to understand both sides of the coin at all points in time and really try to seek to understand where someone else may come from. It's a, it's, it's a, it's kind of a sense of being enlightened, but also, you know, being open-minded and, and, and really trying to, to really, you can't put yourself in those shoes, but you know, try to at least understand what it might feel like if you did. So very yeah. interesting. I'll get into that for sure. I'll get back to you on what I think about it. I'm excited. So there's been something that's been making the media around speaking of refs and all that stuff. And uh, that's this new Tim Donaghy movie. Have you heard about this? Dude, no, tell me about it. Yeah. So, so for those that don't know, Tim Donaghy was an NBA ref who got busted for basically in 2007, he got busted for gambling on NBA games. He was shaving points, right? Shaving points more or less. Yeah. And it's the war. I don't want to, uh, I don't necessarily want to, uh, paint it as if, it, I don't know, like it, it gets really complicated with the wording of what he was charged with versus what actually happened and all that. Right. And so yeah. this movie's called inside game. It, it came out this past Friday. And so he's been kind of making the media rounds talking a lot about it and, and just kind of what it's like to make the movie and all that kind of stuff. I feel like we have to go see this. Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, it's a really interesting story. He's pretty much, I mean, he's talked, you know, pretty openly about how, I mean, rightfully so he takes responsibility for it. And he's like, you know, I'm, obviously banned from anything NBA and you know I, I'm it's I'm not I, they don't the league has basically cut off all connection from me and he's like and I get that but uh yeah I don't know it's gonna be interesting to see what his side of the story is on this it's it's kind of hard to 
really take what he says with a grain of salt. I mean, you have to take it with a grain of salt. It's kind of hard to take seriously what he says because, I mean, he lied about it. Yeah, and it's so interesting. There is not a transgression that happens in Major League Sports that is worse than gambling and the perception of saving points. Mm -hmm. Dude, honestly – Oh, this book is so good now that I'm coming back to it. Iggy talks about the purity of the game and how the game isn't pure. It's all about it's all about money. It's right? always about like, money. Yeah, exactly. So they'll get uh, Kevin Durant gets this um, gets this. Hey, you're going to the wrong the wrong place, and you're not you're destroying the purity of the game because you're just teaming up with all these other superstars, um, which I've said like you yeah, know. Sure. But at the end of the day, it's not about them going out and playing basketball and loving the sport. It's about them going out and making billions upon billions upon oh, billions oh, of oh, dollars. For these owners, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's all it is. All if you're curious as to why something is happening, like in sports, but also in life generally, follow the money. And follow you'll the find money. It. Yeah, you'll always find it. I'm a big proponent of that, and it's almost always led me back to a reasonable explanation as to why X, Y, Z is happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's so this t- Donaghy thing's pretty interesting. I don't want to give a ton of pub to it because I think it's worth going out and seeing, but I. It's hard to understand how to feel about it because you're right. There is nothing worse in sports than someone who cheats, and you know, and that that really and truly comes down to the integrity of the sport and not taking that seriously or not taking that with for what it's worth. Like you're in a spot, and Donaghy talks about this a lot. Like he was in a spot where he was very grateful for, to do the job that he did. He refed some iconic games. He was, I mean, he talks about Malice at the Palace. He talks about some of the those finals games with the Lakers and stuff like that in the 2000s. Like really interesting guy to to have been present on. Like to have your feet on those that hardwood is a privilege, especially yeah. you know in basketball specifically. Here you have to be talented regardless of who you are. Exactly, no matter what your job is. I mean, I don't care if you're an assistant wiping up the sweat off the the floor. You know, like you right. you're there for a reason. And when it, it all comes down to the integrity of the game, and and I just it's really hard for me to respect someone that that doesn't uphold that at all points in time that's I've had my own transgressions with my own teams about things like that at times and that's shitty but at the end of the day like it is all about making money and some people don't take that as seriously as they should either yeah so but yeah man it's it's been in it uh, we'll kind of get into some actual basketball now I think some, those are some of the media uh, things we're talking about uh, that are kind of going around we're checking out trying to give a few uh, recommendations where we can uh, so I guess we do you want to dive in just kind of bounce around and talk about what you want to talk about. What do you think first? Yeah, I think so. We have a theme on this show of Lakers, right? And we have a theme on this show of Mavericks because, dude, I think those are two of the most exciting teams in the league. And also, we're, we're all from Dallas, you know, and I grew up watching the Lakers. I grew up just worshiping Kobe, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think we got to talk about that game. I think uh, so you were too. at that game. Yeah, I was. So let's definitely get into it. Back up for just a second. I didn't realize you were a corp, a Kobe worshiper as much as all that. Dude, I'm a big time Kobe worshiper. Oh, okay. Kobe and Gilbert Arenas were my my jam in high school. I love that you bring up Gilbert. Arenas. <laughs> Dude, I love <laughs> Gilbert. Um, yeah. I so won. I went to this game. This was Friday night, and I, so did you watch this whole game? First of all, yeah. What did you? What were your thoughts of this game? Um. So I. So first off. Whenever you start doing this for in front of hundreds of people, you start going, you start creeping towards that. I really want to be right, so I'm gonna cheer for this team. You know? Yep, 100. Yeah, 
I was saying all summer, dude, this Lakers team is going to be good. I don't care what anybody says. This Lakers team is going to be really flipping good. Yeah. So the whole time, so the Mavericks led through three, three quarters, and I was like, God, they cannot lose to the flipping Mavericks. This team is young, you know. So yeah. I'm, 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 even though Mavericks are kind of my team, um, OKC is my number one team. Always, yeah. Moving to Dallas, trying to, trying to like the Mavericks a little bit more. Sure. Um, I like, I enjoy watching the Lakers. I enjoy watching the Bucks a lot. Um, but I'm not gonna like if OKC plays any of them. Yeah, of course. It's them, right? it's like me and the Celtics. Same kind of thing. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. um, I I'm sitting here watching it and going and looking at how the Mavericks are beating, beating the Lakers through the, the first three, uh, first three quarters, which dude, all of it's just Luca. Luca had one of the best quarters I've ever seen in the third quarter, dude. Absolutely. He looked MVP caliber. He looked like if you, if I had to watch one quarter and give out an MVP, Luca's in that conversation. That was one of the best quarters I've ever seen from anybody. Definitely. Especially this year. Yeah. Cause he was like, it was like, he was doing just veteran plays where there was one play where, um, he ran two high pick and rolls in a, in a row. One was a, um, and he's so good at when he, when he takes the pick and roll, if you watch him because he's not super fast and can't explode off that pick like a Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. or even like a James Harden or like a Kyrie, they can't, they can just explode the rim and be at the rim immediately. Yeah. Have somebody on his back and puts his butt back into him. And he has Avery Bradley on him, two pick and rolls in a row has Avery Bradley shoves him in the back, back into him and hesitates one play had Anthony Davis and the second one had Dwight Howard both times whenever he shoves back and he puts his butt back into Avery Bradley, it's at between the free throw line, probably about the college or uh, high school free throw line. Right. Mm-hmm. So right at the top of the key, but not quite to the three point line, Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis who are both playing out of their minds, by the way, um, have to pause and hesitate. And that gives Chris stops time to roll to the rim. Right. And he gets yep. behind those two guys. One time he throws a lob and LeBron James is just there, unbelievable, and goes over and stops the lob from happening. Right? He's LeBron James. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. So the next time, and you can't like that's like him and Draymond Green and maybe maybe AD, like a handful of other people are actually going to make that make that read. Right? Right. So he runs that the first time. The next time, it's Danny Green sitting there, and he sees Danny Green already leaning towards the middle, and he whips a one-handed pass over to uh, – who was the shooter? It might have been Jalen Brunson. It was somebody. Or Dellen Wright, one of the two. Do what? It might have been Dellen Wright as well. It might have been Delon Wright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whips a pass over to them, one-handed pass in the shooter's pocket, and the guy drills a three. And it yeah. was like he set that up Perfect. starting previously. You know, it, he, he, set like, up, he, was, he set up like three options right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's just making all these reads. He's making middle of the lane dump off passes. So we actually texted. Give me just one moment. Sorry, we actually texted and said, you said, I don't think that he's shooting well enough. And um, Kyle kind of jumped on that and disagreed and said, hey, I I disagree. That was a great game. And I knew where you were coming from because you look at the you look at the stat line. He shot 44 percent from the field. Yep. That's not great for today's day and age. But the dude shot five for 11 from the three-point line, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was 13 assists. 10 of 23 overall. Like, that's – and my point there was that – so, yeah, I mean, it was 44%. That's fine, and and that's slightly better than – I think he shot 42% on the year last year, so it's still better. But my – I think the problem isn't necessarily with Luka, but it's the team around him where he's your number one shooter. you got to be a little better than that. I watch Luca and I go, this guy's going to develop into a 50, 40, 90 guy. Definitely. And, and 
it's hard for me. And I knew exactly where you're coming from because as soon as you said it, I felt the same way. I was like, he didn't shoot well enough. And then I went and looked at this, looked at the stats, but it's hard for me to not judge him against what I think he's going to be, which is this 50, 40, 90 guy. Right. Absolutely. So for me, this game, um, was, uh, dude, so everybody has been, so this is going to come with a Lakers take, but everybody, I guess that just makes sense, but everybody is like freaking out that the Lakers are five and one right now. And, if you look at that schedule, they're not against great teams so far. Uh, one was against Memphis. One was against Charlotte. One was against... There was one other bad team in there. And then there was one against the Suns that was a win. And then... No, no. What was it against the Suns? It was... They had the Sun next, Suns next week. That's what it is. Right. But regardless... Spurs, like, Hornets, Jazz. The Jazz was a big one. The and Jazz was a big one. The Jazz. Absolutely. And the Spurs was a good win, too. But yeah. what I saw on Friday night was... A young and upcoming team that's Luca, Kristaps, and insert big name free agent next year probably is a big three type situation is my guess. But a young and up and coming team that's trying to figure it out that the Lakers struggled to beat. Now, when it came to crunch time, if Dallas could have made their throws, which they missed a lot of free throws in this game, and I saw actually today that Carlisle canceled three-point contests and everything today during practice, and they only shot free throws. You're so, good for him. Absolutely. He needs to because you're professional basketball players. You need to be making yeah. your throws. And I, I think it was Dwight Powell that missed uh, that final throw that would have put him up four instead of three. Danny Green got the ball in the corner. Uh, there was an obvious that play, by the way. Yeah, there was an obvious foul by Dwight Howard, but they didn't call it. They caught in the last two minutes report. But, uh, you know, they brought that game to tie it. And then you knew it was over. You knew that the Mavericks were going to lose that game because you've got Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And yeah. it's one of those things where it, this was not an impressive win for the Lakers. And people think that it is, but that's not impressive. Like, this is a young and upcoming team. This is a team that won 27 games last year. Now, granted, it's a completely different team with KP. And it's, you know, it, it's definitely restructured around a lot of things. A lot of free agency stuff happened all of that but at the end of the day that's not an impressive win and and I just I'm not ready to anoint this Lakers team as the greatest fucking team of all time like a lot of people are running out to pour Kool-Aid all over them for some reason or Gatorade yeah um I can understand where you're coming from in regards to the team that they're playing anytime that you're down big in the hole and you can come back on somebody else's home court I, I think it's a big a big deal um and especially but for a team that we saw a lot of LeBron James rolling over last year. Um, and whether that's was on the court, I don't, I didn't see as much of him rolling over on the court as a lot of people th seem to think there was, I saw a lot of him rolling over and if they're in the playoff race, there's no way he's shutting down for the last month of the season. Right? No, definitely uh, not. So uh, I saw some of that. Um, and it's easy to, to go into a team, uh, an away game and say, this team should not be as good as us. They're beating us off the floor. I'm just going to roll over. Like, it's enough. I, I was impressed by that. The other thing that I'm impressed by is, one, the Lakers are third in plus-minus differential um, behind only, and this first one I think is probably a fluke, but the Miami Heat, mm -hmm. the Milwaukee Bucks, and then the Lakers. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that is the Suns. So middle of the season, if this is the middle of the season, I'm going all of these teams are for real. Yeah. Because plus minus like that, that means that you're blowing teams out. And if you look at their schedule, the Lakers schedule. So first game of the season was Clippers lost to the Clippers by 10. Mm -hmm. I, eh. 
right. That's I'm, a fine loss. I'm all right with that. Right, right. Next game was against the Jazz, beat them by nine. Next game was against the Hornets, beat them by 20. Next game was against the Grizzlies, uh, beat them by 30. You know, then the Mavericks beat them by nine. Spurs beat them by uh, about seven. Yeah. So, and that was at the Spurs. I, I, that plus minus is a big deal for me. Yeah. You're bigger on it than me and Kyle are. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm pretty big on how well or how badly are you beating teams? Right. I'm pretty big on that. The other, um, I mean, the other thing about them is though that I, I just, everything is all fine and well right now. But as soon as I mean, I texted you this during the game, I think that, I mean, Jason Kidd's just dying to get out there and coach this team. Yeah. And, yeah. You and said I'm, that. <laughs> and I do have concerns overall over what's going to happen over the entire year, but to be at this point, I don't yet know if they just all completely mesh so well. Dude, Dwight Howard is playing out of his mind. JaVale McGee is playing out of his mind. They're both playing really great. Dwight Howard is averaging a better block percentage than he did in his three years as Defensive Player of the Year. I, I agree That's with you. That's crazy. I, I, and that, that is nuts. He's playing a different style of ball. He's dropped like 40 pounds, so that helps. Yeah. Um, he's just Dennis. He's Dennis Rodman out there. He just he doesn't oh, well. care about scoring. He's just getting put back dunks and blocking shots and playing defense. Yeah, that's and he's fair. Guarding guards on the perimeter, like he's doing exactly what they want him to do. These but, guys have. I don't know if they still have another gear to kick it to, or if they just matched perfectly from the from the beat. Either way, it's impressive to me. But let me tell um, you something, man. JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard are not going to stay healthy for the entire season. And yeah. so when you start getting down to your depth, that's where this thing is going to get really interesting. And like Danny Green, like all these guys are, they should be this good because they're all like 80 years old. They're all veterans. And yeah. like you don't have a whole lot of young Kyle Kuzma's on this team because you laughed them out of, out of town, basically. And I just, that's where I'm, I think this is going to get really interesting is whenever they start struggling with those pieces around them. And, you know, I mean, I'm always going to be somewhat of a Lakers doubter no matter what, but I, right. it, it wouldn't matter what this team is. I'd be doubting it regardless. And I'm not saying that they're, I, I don't, I just don't know yet. There's, I think that's the biggest caveat here is we're six, seven games into this season. There's nothing to really note yet, yeah. but it's, it's an interesting start. That's for yeah. sure. I, I have. Part of me, like I loved the Frank Vogel hire whenever it happened. I was like, it, I think that's better than them than than getting Ty Lue. And part of me really loves what he's doing. Um, I had a concern whenever on that last play of the game, whenever they got the ball or to to LeBron James at the top. Mm -hmm. um, that's a hammer play. The the Spurs made a lot of money running that play. What's what happens is. <clears throat> Off the inbounds play, you have your ball handler come up and get and pick up a screen, and he catches the ball and then turns around and comes off that screen, and he rolls down towards the rim. What it's designed to do is have somebody that's playing help defense because the guy with the ball handler is already beating his man because he picked up a screen at the top. Everything's overloaded to the other side of the court except for the guy with the ball handler and the picker, right? What it's designed to do is that guy comes free and goes at the rim, and then the guy on the other side of the court, you've got a shooter that's at free throw line extended, and you have a big man who goes up and sets a screen on the shooter who's free throw line extended about when the guy that's dribbling hits the block or maybe a little bit further out. So that's okay. Dwight Howard, and that's where we saw the, the egregious like grab, right? He's yeah. supposed to set a screen on Danny Green. Danny Green drops down. Maxi Kleber, that play is designed to get him to come over. But what should have been happening is Rick Carlisle should have said, I don't care if LeBron James goes and dunks the ball. Don't rotate on that. You're supposed to stick it to everybody on the perimeter and not let any threes happen. 
that play is designed to get somebody rotating to stop the dunk, stop the two-point play so that it can get a three-point play. Mm-hmm. It was a weird call by Frank Vogel. When I started, when I saw it start to develop, I was like, this must be something different in the split second, but it turned out to be the hammer play. And it was a weird play call by Frank Vogel and it ended up working. Um, Dwight Howard's time was off. He arrived at the screen too early and that's why he had to hold. But it was a weird play call and I don't trust that play call and that decision in that moment, which gives me concerns about Frank Vogel. Does, yeah. that make, does that all make sense? That was a lot. Yeah, kind of. I, I mean, I, I don't know the X's and O's quite as well as you do, but it makes sense. And I mean, I, I get what you mean whenever you're looking at like a uh, a a play where it's like that is not what was supposed to really happen there. Uh, it, it's yeah. one of those things they got away with it because of the talent they have on the court. And that's, I mean, Danny Green, dude. Danny Green. Think, Danny Green's not that guy usually. Dude, he, he knocks down some three-point shots. I think they got away with it because of – Carlisle or Kleba. I don't know if Carlisle actually told him in the, in the, um, in the huddle, but one of the two made a mistake on you. You let LeBron James take that dunk. Like that's designed. It, it'd be like this. It's like, we know we're, we know we're going to not tie on a two, but I'm going to drop a play. That's going to fake. Like we're going for the two and they're, they're going to bite on it. You know, like so yeah. it just didn't make sense for Vogel to call that play. I mean, there the was, other, the other curious thing is why didn't they just foul him? Yeah. Like that's that's the obvious play to me. Why not just foul him? Why let it go? But this is a young team, man, and they're gonna Carlisle's gonna let that stuff play out so he can teach him a lesson. That's gonna happen. Yeah, and, maybe you're right. I you know. I had concerns about concerns about both coaches in that situation, both yeah. Vogel and I was like, why is Carlisle not telling him? I don't care if he dunks or not. You know, yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not too concerned about Rick Carlisle in that kind of situation because I that's not that's what fair. he would have usually set up. But that those are young mistakes that you're gonna see. Yeah, that's for fair. sure. So, okay, well, we'll get a so that that's interesting. Two teams so far. I think. I mean, the Mavericks blew out Denver, not blew out Denver, but beat Denver the other night. I mean, they turned around off of this Lakers uh, loss, which should have that really and truly should have been a win for them, and beat the living piss out of the Cavs, which doesn't make sense. But I mean, good teams beat bad teams, so like that's that's what's expected of them. And they, I mean, Luca went for a triple double again. I mean, he dude, that kid is incredible. He like, he has instinct like I've never seen before. Yeah. He's playing unbelievable. Like his, he might be the best, one of the best passers in the league right now. Like him or LeBron are, are both up there. Ben Simmons is up there for me. Um, somebody else that I'm thinking of, and I can't, I'll think of it later, but he's a, he's a, Oh, uh, Lonzo ball. Duh. Um, he's a top 10 passer in the league for me right now. James Harden's up there. Russell Westbrook's up there. Definitely. Well, let's go to the Suns. Where, where's your head at on the Suns so far? Dude, I don't know if this is for real or not. They just, they, they just beat the Sixers without DeAndre Ayton. Granted, the Sixers didn't have Joel Embiid. Right. But they're playing without DeAndre Ayton right now. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know if that's, I don't think that's making them better. Uh, Ayton's a, it's Ayton's not. a defensive, minus i'm not going to say a liability he's a defensive minus but he's an offensive a huge offensive plus devin booker's playing out of his mind yeah and the types of minutes that they're getting from kelly Oubre, who's playing really good defense um ricky rubio last year they were 29th in turnover ratio this year i think that they're 16th and that's yeah. that's 100 ricky rubio coming in and being able to play true point and allowing Devin Booker to move to the small forward or the shooting guard position. You knew what you were going to get whenever you signed Ricky Rubio. That's for sure. It's just yeah. 
So I, I think my my uh, take on them, as, as I 100% agree with what you just said. Like it's, it, and I also think that it's it's Monty Williams understanding how the pieces fit together, and Monty's that's plans. Yeah, really Igor, good. I don't think was good with that at all. I don't think he was good with much, unfortunately. Those Spurs assistants, sometimes they just don't really. It's very similar to Doc Rivers' assistants. Like you know, uh, it just they don't really always come of. I mean, look at uh, Thibodeau for God's sakes, like a great defensive mind, but just didn't, just can't make that happen. They gave him way longer than they ever should have, and then another shot yep. for some reason. But I, I think what's confusing about the Suns and why it's it makes us kind of be like, are they for real? Is because they've had so much disorganization or organizational dysfunction. Excuse me. Um, in the past and it just Robert Sarver is a terrible owner and it just it goes on and on and on and I don't honestly think that you get over Robert Sarver being I'm just I'm such a believer in top-down approach when it comes to this stuff and like it's exactly what we talk about with James Dolan all the time the Knicks are fucking terrible because they have a systemic problem that goes that starts at the top and goes all the way down. Robert yep. Sarver's the same way. They've had yep. tons of talent for a couple of years now. They did nothing with Tyson Chandler. They did nothing even going back to like Steve Nash. Like they've just they've never been able to put these things together. And so they I think Steve Nash took a pay cut and then traded away all of his assets. Right. What an asshole move to do. Yeah, that was you horrible. Know? I mean, he told Matt Barnes to not talk to his fucking fans. Like, get the hell out yeah. of here. I'm so glad Matt Barnes threatened him. But um Anyway, like I think that's why this is really confusing because everybody wants to be like, yeah, this team's for real, but like, how can you buy into the dis- dysfunction that usually plagues this organization? And I, I mean, at the end of the day, like, <laughs> they're just one of those organizations that you feel like are going to come back down to earth, and I, I would not be surprised to see that. But to your point, they're playing great without DeAndre Ayton and. I'm not saying this is a Ewing effect type situation where, you know, the, the plus is minus by any stretch of the imagination. Because yeah. I, I, I mean, I love DeAndre. I thought that taking DeAndre Ayton over Luka is still the right, was still the right play. I don't know I about agree. that now. Um, but, you know, at the time, it felt like that made a lot of sense. And I probably would have done the same thing if I were Phoenix. Uh, they didn't, it's not like they needed Luka Doncic, you know. Yeah, and, you can't look at the guy that's supposed to be Hakeem Olajuwon 2.0 and pass on him. Right? Exactly. You can't. You just can't. Nobody, like, it's it's the Jordan Hakeem thing. Nobody blames the Rockets for taking Hakeem over Jordan. You know, right. you never hear anybody complain about that. It's the no, same thing. It's a wild thing. So I I, I do kind of expect them to come back down to earth at some point. But they've had some pretty impressive wins yeah. overall, man. They're fourth in plus minus in the league, so they're beating the crap out of teams. They're second in the league in assists. They're they're the that's they're wild. The Warriors. They're playing like the Warriors. You know, not as good defensively, but anytime that you can get a team that's second in the league in assists. And beating teams like that's a that's a big deal, especially when you have a superstar that has the ability to drop seventy, right? Very true. I I, I just struggle to know what to do with Kelly Oubre. I really do. Like I I, I want to defend him because I like him a lot, but he just hasn't really gotten it together yet. So it'll be interesting to see how that continues. I've always liked him. I I can't remember was he picked high? He came out of the came out of Kansas. I know that going into Kansas, he was supposed to be a consensus top five pick, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He came out of Kansas uh, and was picked. Yeah, he was, no, that's not right. Uh, I can't remember where he was picked, but he was supposed to be a consensus top five pick, and he never really panned out that way. And I, I, for instance, had to lower my expectations of what he was, what he should be. And when I lowered my expectations, I was like, this is a really nice player. Like he's just a guy that goes out and plays hard no defense, knocks down a three. Um, he's an energy guy. Like that's that's what 
you want to you want from a rotation wing player you know yeah he was uh in the 2015 draft uh round one 15th pick overall yeah he was supposed to be a top five player coming in the high school or coming yeah. out of high school for sure yeah so, so i'll be interested to continue to watch them uh did you happen to see porter's first game the other night in denver no tell yeah, me about that dude michael porter jr looked great uh, yeah he he looked like he moves with absolute ease and i mean more to come because they're obviously slow playing his minutes and everything given that he spent an entire year injured but yeah. that's going to be a big asset for that nuggets team the only thing is they're gonna have to figure out exactly how he's gonna have to develop the chemistry with Jokic, and they haven't figured that out yet yeah um, that's, that, yeah, that's a tough thing. It comes with the good, I mean, the good news is if you can develop chemistry with anybody, it's a guy who can hit you in the shooter's pocket anywhere on the court at any given time, you know? Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That talk, speaking of another guy that was supposed to be a number one, that guy was supposed to be picked over eight. Yeah. You know? No, I know it. But I mean, he fell to like 50, like middle of the draft, like outside Four, the top 14. 10, 14 yeah, yeah. Just, just at the edge of the lottery. And, and that, that is you know, I mean, that's a significant fall, but I mean, that injury he had was not nothing to joke with. You know, I mean, it was definitely felt like it was pretty for real, man. So, I mean, it is, it's a back fracture basically. Yeah, for real. And, and like, if you remember watching the, uh, watching the draft, dude, he looks like he couldn't get to the stage. I was like, that guy's never going to play again. No, never. Yeah. It, it definitely looked that way. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really glad that he's, he's coming back. I, I, with a bro, it was like a, a broken vertebrae or something like that. Yeah, something um, like that. Man. But whenever you're worried with the spine, whenever you're worried about a back injury, dude, I hope that they ease him in, and I hope they go. We can play without you. If we need to play without you for another year, we'll do it. I just want to care about your safety. Absolutely. Bigadol would say that they'll never say right. Naturally, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but that's an organizational thing, and I think that they understand the importance of slow playing something like that. At least I hope they do. Dude, I, I, I would like ultimately like you're going to win this year. You know, you may not win a championship, but you got Jokic locked up. You got Jamal Murray locked up like you have a future. Right. Why don't you why not slow play this guy that could turn into a superstar? Slow play him, even if he doesn't have to play more than 10 minutes, 15 minutes a game. Just make sure that he doesn't get hurt and and end his career. You know, absolutely. A hundred percent. And there's no need to, you know, continue to push that whenever you don't really have to. And I think that's that's really probably the biggest biggest point there is just that you can't there's no reason to push it. There's just not like you've got a potential superstar and this guy is absolutely incredible. Just, you know, keep the wheels on it, I think is the biggest thing there. The old nuggets have been wishy washy for me. Not as good as I thought they would be. Like the this is their schedule. Magic won against Magic, lost to the Pelicans by more than 15, 15 actually, lost to the Mavericks in a close game by three, beat the Kings, beat the Suns, beat the Trailblazers. Um, yeah. Pretty underwhelming, dude. That's a pretty underwhelming schedule. That's one team that we expected to be a playoff team there, lost to, lost to the Pelicans and the Mavs. Yeah. I, again, I think it's hard to understand what the Mavericks are yet. And I think that's, Agreed. I think a lot of people are sleeping on them though. The, the Mavericks are way better than I thought they would be. Yeah. This early I on. Had to make it, I had to make them making the playoffs. Now I had the Warriors making the playoffs in like the eight, seven, eight seed. Mm-hmm. And I had them going deep too. Uh, not happening this year. Not after the Steph Curry broken hand thing. 
Yeah, man, that that's an ugly, ugly wagon. And I mean, I love that there was all those reports that came out a, a couple weeks ago that were like, oh, well, you know, we're going to get Clay back in March. And, you know, and then, you know, he's going to be back just in time for the playoff run. The first time they asked Steve Kerr about that, he was like, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, yeah. Good for him. Dude. Absolutely. Like, just put that to rest. Learn from your mistakes. Like it was obvious that you rolled out Kevin Durant when you shouldn't have. Learn from your mistakes. Like if nobody else gives you credit for that, Steve Kerr, I'll give you credit for that. Learn from your mistakes there. You um, you don't do you do you think though that Kevin Durant like a, a, away from all this he he chose to go like he he could have stopped it right I in a vacuum yes I have so there's something fishy going on with what happened with Bob Myers you remember that he like fake cried in an interview uh, talking about Kevin Durant and then they asked Steve Kerr about whether or not Kevin Durant was ready to go and Steve said ask Bob Myers. So I, I have – there's something fishy going on there. And Kevin Durant hasn't come out and say it yet. He's come out and said a lot of things about the Warriors organization. For instance, he came out and said that Draymond was a big reason why he left. And the fight with Draymond was a big reason why he left. Yeah. But uh, he hasn't come out and said that he was forced back, which yeah. credit to him if it was, credit to the Warriors if he wasn't. But, man, there's something fishy going on. I, I just don't trust it completely. I, I agree with that, but I also don't trust the notion that an organization just made a guy go out there and play. Like, if a guy can't go, a guy can't go. And, and like, there's nobody that's m- more in tune with how their body feels than someone like Kevin Durant. And, yeah. I mean, you got to at least somewhat make the choice to go. Like, I mean, just as a normal human being, if I'm tell- if sure. I'm the coach I'm saying, Josh, go, and you're saying, dude, I can't, I won't, I'm not co- potentially ending my career over this, then... I don't know. It's it's kind of on the player too to say no. I'm not going. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. I mean, look at what Kawhi did. Yeah. Kawhi did it. You know, for an entire year, and <laughs> he was he? booed out of that city, and he went and won a championship just to show those guys. Fucking awesome. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I think, dude, Kevin. Like even in Iggy's book, he talks about the things that he has to talk and speak into people. One of the things that would piss him off about Kevin Durant is that he cared too much about what other people thought of him. Well, and we I know that, that to be true. Yeah, and we know that for a fact. Look at him fighting with 11-year-old Twitter trolls, you know? It's my favorite. And I think that it would not be hard for Bob Myers to s- convince Kevin Durant, hey, our, our guys are saying you should go. Do you want everybody to think that you just let your team down if you don't go in return? Like, I, I think that it'd be, it'd be, it wouldn't be hard for that to, to convince him of that, you know? Yeah. And especially for – dude, anybody – like, say what you will. Anybody that's in that high as a GM or a or head of basketball operations – they can play people. They know what, yeah. what strings to pull, you know? And I just, I, I can imagine it very vividly. I don't know if it happened. This is all speculation. You and I will probably never know if it happened unless Katie comes out and says something, but I can just see it. I can see it. And it, it's very vivid. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I disagree with that though, at least as far as like, I mean, I could see how that could be the case, but I just, I, I think it would be really hard, even if, say, Kevin Durant came out and wrote the book that Iggy Dollar just wrote, right? I think yeah. it would be really hard to take all of that full-heartedly seriously because he's such a whiner. Like, he yeah. really is. And, like, I hate to say that about him because I fucking love Kevin Durant, man. But, like, he really is. Like, I mean, you're on, you have burner accounts on Twitter and Instagram to make yourself feel better. Like, come on, bro. Like, you get paid millions of dollars to ignore that shit. People are dumb. People are stupid. Most people don't know what they're talking about, and most people won't back their shit up. So just, yeah. you know, like, just take that for what it is. You got to be smarter than that. 
And so I don't know. I, I just I don't know that even if he did come out and tell us, I don't know that I would necessarily believe it all because I mean, and again, that's fair. It's, that's one, fair. it's one person's point of view, which could be very different from you know Bob Meyer's point of view. So we will no, we'll never really know what happened. But I I don't know. I, I've thought a lot about that still, and I just for some reason I can't really shake like that the best dynasty team of all time would just let a guy go out there absolutely butchered and you know and risk his whole career i don't know it just i get what you're saying i could see it happening but i also have a hard time believing in, in a, a vacuum that that would happen i, I don't know yeah. yeah i mean a a claim that their doctors cleared him with a broken leg sure you yeah know? oh don't clear you a, for it I mean, dude you can get a doctor to tell you anything yeah so i i do think there's a difference between between these team doctors saying yeah you could have played kevin and then bob myers going better get your ass out of there i'll make sure i never you never play in the league again you know yeah i do think there's a difference between that um and i don't think that the, the latter happened but i think that he was probably cleared yeah. And that because of that, they he went out and played. Boy, they've got it maybe in the even, next collective bargaining agreement. Next. They have got to work out some independent doctor type situation or whatever. They've got Dude, to. I, I agree 100%. And there should be more guaranteed money. Yeah. We'll get into some of the CBA stuff as we get closer to it. But yeah. that's definitely something that, that needs to get into. Well, um, what is your take on where the... Well, I don't want to stay in the, the West for the whole episode. Um, touch on it real quick. Where where where's your head at with the Rockets? Not a great start, I'll tell you that. They have you can't two, put two black holes in the same floor and go, eh, you guys are gonna go good go well, you know? Yeah. They have moments where you go, How the heck are you gonna stop this team? And then they have moments where you go, <laughs> yeah. this team is gonna stop themselves, you know? Like Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I'm so confused by them. Yeah, exactly. And I can't remember who they were playing, but there was uh let me look up their schedule because I'll see it and I'll remember who they were playing. Um, but like there was one play where there was like a three possession. One was fast break. James, James Harden dumped it to Russell Westbrook and he just yammed on everybody. You know, I, do you remember this? Yeah. I saw the highlights of it. I don't think I watched the actual game. Though. Yeah. And it was like, then Russell Westbrook got a steal and they were just going back and forth. Uh, it was Milwaukee. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was Milwaukee. It was the first game of the season. And I really thought that they were going to be Milwaukee and be like the big dog. You know, Milwaukee ended up coming back. Giannis fouled out and Chris Middleton drained like two threes in a row. But uh, there were flashes in that game. Westbrook had 16 points or yeah. 16 rebounds. Oh, Harden yeah. had 14 assists and Westbrook finished with 24 points. Like there were flashes in, their, in that game where I was going, this team could be unbeatable if they put it together. And to his credit, Russell's not – ball hogging jay i think he's really deferring to james harden mm -hmm. he's still only shooting 25 percent from the three-point line uh yeah. shooting 21 points per game nine assists i would like to see that number down down a little bit because it makes me think that he's still kind of hunting assists a little yeah but he's not he's not trying to he's not doing his triple double at all cost yeah that's very true it'll be interesting to watch well let's move to the east a little bit kind of dabble around some of these teams um is the heat for real they have the best rookie on the floor. They sure do, man. Chris uh, is his name Chris Nunn? I think I'm so. Yeah. Chris Dunn. Yeah, not Chris Dunn. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Nunn's Nunn's playing out of his mind. He's he's gonna win rookie of the year. If John doesn't come back, it's almost a lock for that guy. Like he's he had uh I think he was averaging twenty two points a game. Uh yes, Kendrick. Kendrick Nunn, Ken by the way. Kendrick. Yeah, Kendrick Nunn. Uh, for a little bit, he was uh, average. He's averaging 19 and a half points a game. 
Um, he's shooting uh, 48% from the field, 44% from the three-point line, dude. These rookies, this was supposed to be a bad draft class, and they're all playing out of their mind. Jaws playing out of his mind. Uh, Rui Hachimara is, is a dark horse for rookie of the year. Um, I'm impressed with all of them, man. I, I, yeah, I mean, so Tyler far, Hero. They've got Tyler. They've got two rookies that are top five rookies. And all of this is with, has been without Jimmy Butler, which is yeah. astounding. Which might be what's happening. I, I mean, it could be but, a Ewing type situation. I don't know, but it, Jimmy Butler is the ultimate Ewing, Ewing player. I've dude, he's a great defender and he's super clutch. But I've always kind of he's been over underwhelming for me. Yeah, especially with as much shit as he talks. Yeah, dude. <laughs> He talks a lot of garbage, man. He, he does. really does. He, this guy, for me, he can't be the best player on a on it for sure. A championship team. Yeah. He can't be the best player on a on a two. Um, he can't. I don't think. I don't think if he's the best player on the team, I don't think he'll ever make it out of the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm and, inclined to agree with you, especially with. I mean, the the Magic have kind of stunk to start off, but I think they're a significantly better team than they are. Yeah, and this guy can't play with other people. Right. He's kind of proved it. He, he doesn't it's, want to play with other people. It's weird, though, because when he got to Philly, he really settled down. You know, and I, it's just, it's all very confusing, but none of his exits have been graceful. That's that's for sure. Yeah, he made Tobias Harris worse in Philly. Definitely. Tobias Harris has been playing really well. Like, I don't care what his numbers are. He's watching him on the court. He's played really well. He's been pretty efficient this year. And he, he looks a lot more comfortable. He's getting more of his shots that he wants. He made Tobias Harris worse. I would have... Like to have seen a little bit more Jimmy Butler defense, just Carrillo defensively. I want you to shut down the other guy, and we're the best defensive team in the league. Um, and let Tobias get his a little bit more. But Jimmy, Jimmy wasn't about that, you know. Yeah, and I mean, yeah that that he was always a little bit of an odd fit for the Sixers. It really was, and I I think that's why they weren't really uh, chomping at the bit to to give him an extension. And I think that that made a difference. Yeah, and but, I, I think he's going to be an odd fit for anybody because he's this. He's this player that demands to be the number one, but he's not a number one guy. He's not a number one guy. Like he's not good enough to be a number one. He's good enough to be a defensive number one, but he's not, he's not going to put up the points that you want. He's averaging seven and seven, which is big, but he's averaging 14 points a game, you know? And like, if you look at his career, he's never averaged more than 20, like big time, more than 20. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just, he's just not, not the guy that I want to be my number one. That's fair. I mean, if you could take, Kyrie's talent and match it with Jimmy Butler's personality, you'd have something. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I lied. He did average more than 21. It was 21, 22, 23, um, but never like... Nothing you, more. That seems like his ceiling. That You want your number one guy to be averaging 25, right? Yeah. Um, and even when he was averaging 24, like it was on 36% from the three-point line, 86% from the 45, 45-36, that's not bad. Yeah. Pedestrian. Not. You know, nothing nothing out of the water. Not crazy efficient. What what made him great was that he was a great lockdown defender, you know? Yeah. So it's he's just not he's just not not a player that I would want on my team. Definitely. Well, I've been keeping an eye um, the Celtics just actually tipped off a few minutes ago as we record this, but they're four and one off to a decent start. Kemba looks pretty comfortable. Kemba's still struggling to figure out that he doesn't have to be the defensive guy that he was in Charlotte as much and he just needs to shoot and it seems like he's getting there but it's just taking some time to feel it and the best thing I can say about the Celtics so far man is they feel like they're having fun playing ball 
And this is what they were supposed to feel like whenever Kyrie was back and things were rolling. I don't know that it's going to work. I don't know that Ennis Cantor being your number one at the five is going to be, you know, your answer. But it's I, I think they're definitely going to need help uh, down low eventually. But it seems like Juice is off to a really good start. It seems like Tatum's off to a decent start. I, I'm pretty encouraged by this team. I don't know what they're going to do yet, but I, I really like the Celtics so far. I like him. Um, I I agree. Cantor rolling out Cantor as your number one is troubling to me. And I'm dude. I'm the biggest Cantor fan in the world. Like he was one. He was the best. He averaged the most points in the history of OKC basketball as a six man coming off the bench. He almost averaged twenty points a game. Russ was saying he's the best six man in, in the league, but he just doesn't play defense or he can't play defense because he's not crazy athletic. He's undersized and under he's under length more than anything else, and he doesn't have super quick feet. So. Um, He's a step back from Al Horford defensively. I wouldn't say offensively, although Horford's playing out of his mind in Philly. Um, but I, I I think that the fact that he has two grade-A wing stoppers on the team is going to make up for that a little. Yeah, I, Kyle and I were actually talking about this yesterday. I think that with the Al Horford thing, it's like uh, – it's kind of what we talked about in the offseason. It's going to suck with losing him production-wise this year. But two years from now, they're going to be really glad they didn't sign that contract. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, and I mean, you've got got guys like Grant Williams that's stepping up. You know, you've got, uh, you know, some some good play from Carson Edwards early on. Like that's turning out to be a pretty good pick. I mean, you know, you've got the actual offense running through Gordon Hayward. I think that's where the biggest disconnect with Kyrie was, is when Kyrie got back and you had Gordon Hayward on the court too, you have to run the offense through Gordon Hayward. And like with Kyrie rightfully so you got to run the offense through Kyrie and like that's okay but it just it got to be it just wasn't Brad Stevens 100 percent you you said that all last year it's not Brad Stevens strong suit here this isn't like a Mike D'Antoni situation where you can have two guys that need to have the ball in their hands on the court and be able to make that work he's just not that kind of guy so it was one of those things I mean it, it really could be a little bit of addition by subtraction a little bit of Ewing theory here with that I find that very, very interesting. And I find it also very interesting that Kyrie's saying the same shit right now in Brooklyn that he was saying in Boston a year ago. But that's, you know, here nor there. At this point, what's your, what does Kyrie's stock look like to you? So we're five games in. This, the, everything that we say is like working on a very small sample size, right? Absolutely. What's Kyrie's stock to you at this point? At this point, dude, you're going to see the exact same thing from him that you saw in Boston where he's going to go through these moods. It's, it's not a talent problem for Kyrie Irving it's a it's a it's a mental thing he doesn't know how to be a leader he doesn't know how to be the guy that he wants to be that's why I made the Jimmy uh, Butler uh, comment earlier that if you combined his tenacity and his wannabe leadership with Kyrie Irving's game you've got a hell of a player because I think he wants to be that guy I don't think he has a clue how to be a leader though and it's and I mean there's already been reports I I I don't ever really want to doubt uh, was it Ramona Shelburne that came out with that or Doris Burke? I can't remember one of the two um, said that, you know, he's basically already had a couple of meltdowns and that the team doesn't really yeah. know what to do with it from a couple of different sources. Yeah. And like, it's just one of those things where I think you're going to continue to see that stuff. And like, I love it because they asked Kevin Durant, they were like, you know, are you going to kind of try to help, you know, kind of help him through, be the veteran, you know, kind of help him through And Kevin Durant was just like, Eh. <laughs> yeah, KD like, was like, "Hold oh, on, I gotta answer this tri- Twitter troll really quick. Yeah, exactly. I gotta pull up one of my burners." But he was—I mean, it was basically a non-committal. Like, mm, it's you know, it, it's really one of those things where I, I think that he's gonna get in his own way here, and it's. 
I don't know what it's going to look like when Kevin Durant gets back. I really don't. But I just, I don't see Kyrie as that guy, man. It was the same story when he, I think it was different when he played with LeBron in Cleveland. And then he went to Boston. He wanted to be the leader. He wanted to be the guy. And, and, that, and that's fine. But you got to step up into that. He didn't step up into that. And yeah. now he wanted to leave. Now he wants to go to, to Brooklyn and do the same thing where he wants to be the leader, wants to be the guy. And I can already guarantee you, I know how this is going to end. Yep. For me, so I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try this new this new ranking system, right? Okay. Um, I think that there are a certain number of players in the league that can change a free agency if they sign somewhere. Millions of dominoes fall in different places than if they sign another place. Um, Kyrie is no longer one of those players for me. Agreed. Kevin Durant's one of those players. LeBron James is still one of those players. Giannis is one of those players. Anthony Davis is one of those players. It's a short list. James Harden is probably one of those players. Luka. Steph Curry is definitely one of those players. Luca. That's. Uh, I mean, so far. Yeah, because he's young. Just, yeah, exactly. Just because he's young. Just yeah. because he's young. Not as proven yet, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Right, right. So Kyrie's not one of those players for me anymore. And I think that's fair. I think he's earned that. You know, like that's. I don't think he sees it that way. I don't think he gets that. And I mean, you know me, like you, you know how I felt about this whole thing. It's, it's infuriated me since it really all started, you know, and he, he says the right things he wants to, but I don't know that he has the capacity to have that kind of light on him and back that up. And I, I, I hate that for Kyrie because he's incredibly talented. He's an yeah. incredibly gifted athlete, but I just and don't see him be able to hold that up. And I, I like the way that he interacts with reporters. I like that he's free and open and just talks. You know, I yeah. love that. And I like that about Kevin Durant, too, to be to be honest with you. There's not a whole lot I like about Kevin Durant, but I like that he will let you into his mind and talk to you. You know, not a whole lot of people do that in the NBA. And actually, Iggy talks about that in his, in his book. He says, you're so afraid to say anything and you just keep giving these little – these little like one word quips. Hey, we got to execute better because people take you out of context constantly. And they're always looking for a story. Always. I, I like the guys that will open up. Um, KD is one of them. Kyrie is one of them. LeBron kind of does it sometimes, um, but not always. <laughs> Whether he should or not is a different story. <laughs> a different yeah, sure. Story. Sure. I, I just, I just like that stuff. Um, yeah, no, like I'm with you. Get I, as much of their personality as possible. I do too, but I also like the, you know, the, it, it also shows and illustrates that these guys know a lot about the game. And like, I think that's what impresses me about LeBron the most is that he knows his basketball IQ is just unstoppable. Like Dude. as soon as, like I was saying earlier during the Mavs uh, Lakers game, we were talking about like whenever they took that to overtime, I was like, this is I mean, LeBron's James going to win this game because he knows how to win. That's, yeah. that's what it comes down to. It's experience. And it's, it's also being probably like the third, fourth best player of all time, but that's besides the point. Uh, I, I think I, I enjoy that too. I'm a hundred percent with you. Uh, so I, I think the Nets are off to kind of a weird start, three and four so far. I just, while Kyrie fits in, I just I don't know what the rest of the team looks like with him. And I, I think that was the difference between him and like D'Angelo Russell is D'Angelo Russell didn't really command. I don't know. You were able to spread things out and do things a little bit more efficiently. And I mean, now it's kind of what we were talking about a minute ago. Get the ball in Kyrie's hands. Yeah, he. Anytime that you have a young guy, he's not going to demand the ball, right? Yeah. So there are times at the end of the game where D'Angelo might have demanded the ball, but he's also a peer with Karis LeVert and with uh, Spencer Didwitty. Like, right. Kyrie's D'Angelo a veteran. Was, a, was their peer. Yeah, they don't think of Kyrie as a peer, right? Right. They think of him almost as a boss or a leader, right? Yeah, I've seen it. So, I know. I know how that goes. Sometimes it's really great if you have a LeBron James who's a fantastic leader. It's not great when you have a Kyrie Irving who's not a good leader. Yeah. 
I, I'm not exactly on the uh, LeBron being a great leader train, but I, I get what you're saying for sure. Yeah, yeah it, it can make a difference whenever it, it, it all comes down to it. Well, your Celtics, by the way, have six players in double digits. Yeah, I, averaging I, double digits throughout the year. I, and I, like I said, it, it's off to a nice start. I feel like it's it's getting there. It's going to take some time. They're going to have to figure out, you know, what what holes they've got. But I mean, as soon as they trade, you know, a few picks for Carl Anthony Towns, you and I are going to be set. We're going to be excited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's safe to say the time clock in uh, Chicago might not be working. Having guys punch into a time clock in the locker room. <laughs> It's a good football coach move. Don't know that it's a good uh, basketball coach move. That feels like a dick. I think he was talking to Dick and got that idea. Oh, it's such a great idea, though. I loved it. I, I told you it was all about it. time clock. That's all, all you have to look at here. Jeez, yeah. Um, but yeah, anything else in the East? Oh, how like last take here before we wrap things up. How have you felt about the Bucks so far? Dude, they're good. They're, yeah. they're fantastic. I don't think they missed a step with Brogdon. Um, I think your biggest problem is the Lopez is, is that you can't play those guys in crunch time. I, I would, especially Brooke, because um, they, they play them differently, right? So the big the biggest problem is Budenholzer and his ability to play in a seven-game series. They're not going to have any problem with coming out of the East with probably the best record because Budenholzer is a regular season guy. But the problem with this is if they play the Sixers in the in the – playoffs I, I don't know if they can beat the Sixers in a seven game series because I've never seen anything from Budenholzer showing me that he can adjust right yeah he did it a little bit last year but yeah that was know. our biggest complaint with him in the playoffs that's for sure yeah yeah exactly so like Giannis by the way had oh man I have a stat hold up listen to this this is crazy um where you at if it's an okay. Antetokounmpo's uh stat it's got to be incredible oh it's it's great it which what are you talking about I said, if it's a Giannis stat, Antetokounmpo stat, it's got to be incredible. It's incredible. In the first six games of the, of the season, he totaled 160 points, 83 rebounds, and 46 assists. Holy There's shit. never been another NBA player that has totaled 150 points, 80 rebounds, and 40 assists in the first six games of the season. That's absurd. Dude, he's, he's so good. He's There's so much talent in the league right now. He is undoubtedly a top three player. I think he's still the best player. I think he's the best player in the league. So I, agree. I would take him probably more than any or over everybody else. I'm inclined to agree with you. If we're start, I mean, if they get if they flame out of the playoffs again, I mean, you gotta think he's gonna consider being out of there. Yeah, Dude, I, it's I, a shame too. Yeah, I, I he cares too much about winning. I don't. To be honest with you, I can't see him doing a a KD where he's where he's matching up with where he's texting all these other free agents and trying to go with wherever they go. Right. I think that he's going to be the guy that goes somewhere and then gets people put around him. Um, mm. Or maybe I don't, I can't see him joining a, another 73 win team. But why would you do that? Why would you just stay in Milwaukee in that case? Um, maybe if he believes that they can't put the can't attract free agents, right? There's a difference between going to a team that's already established mm -hmm. and then going to a team and then being able to attract, attract free agents to you. But also, it's, it's your team, and you're just bringing people in, right? Sure, but if you say either you fire the GM, do whatever you got to do, or I'm leaving, if you don't listen to Giannis, yeah. you deserve to lose him. Yeah, I, I, I think get, I get what I, you're I agree saying. With that. I, I do think though a lot of people just don't want to play in Minneapolis. Hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure there. I, I just uh, you think you said uh, Minneapolis. I think you meant Milwaukee. Yeah, I meant uh, Milwaukee. Sorry. Sa- same thing. Um, same thing. Uh, but that's also true, though. Uh, concern for Giannis <laughs> shooting 17 percent from the three point line this year. Yeah, he'll, um, he'll clean it up. Also, also overall, uh, Divincenzo Sterling Brown is shooting 57 percent from the three point line. Sterling Divincenzo is shooting 56. George Hill shooting 500. Corver shooting 46, Middleton shooting 41. Dude, that, that team is lighting it up from the three-point line. How the hell is Kyle Corver still playing uh, basketball? Because he's shooting because he's shooting 46% from the free throw line. I, I know, um, but he's like father time. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And when Redick, dude, you just got to have a wet J and you can play for forever. That's a good point. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. We want to remind everyone to follow us on social media. That's Sensibly Loud on Twitter and on Instagram. And make sure to follow us on Facebook as well at Sensibly Loud Media. And make sure to give us a call. We want to hear from the listeners. We want to hear some questions. We want to hear what you guys want us to talk about. So please give us a call. Remind everyone that number is 972-885-9361. And we will be back next week. See you, man. See you, man.